Hello, everybody, and welcome to the My Minds podcast, where we demystify mental health and make sharing mainstream within the fitness and exercise community. I really hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the latest My Minds interview, um, where we talk about mental health, exercise, athletes, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, today, I am here with Breed. How are you, Breed? Hey, guys. I'm good. I'm good. Good, good. Um, just to kind of start off, um, I'll tell everyone a little bit about what we're going to be talking about. So Breed works in kind of with women in binge eating. Is that right, Breed? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And you have your own experience with binge eating and with compulsive exercise. So today we're going to be talking about that kind of stuff. Um, so just to start off, so people who don't know you can learn a bit about you. Can you just introduce yourself um, and a little bit about what it is you do? Yeah, for sure. Well, first of all, I just want to say thanks for having me here. I'm actually quite excited to talk with a guy about this stuff because I haven't talked to a guy about I get, space. Yeah, I get that. I get that quite um, often because I, I, for some, like, I, get, I kind of understand why there's a lot of stigma for guys, but I think mm, that's, yeah. that's one thing that, is, um, that kind of stands out about me. And it's, I don't, do you know Laura Rebecca on Instagram? No. Yeah. She, she's, she's like a um, kind of influencer or whatever you want to call it where she has um she's kind of struggles with eating disorder and is coming to like the fitness regime and i went on her podcast and she said the same thing how she doesn't know many guys who are open about it so yeah i'm excited too yeah uh, hopefully cool. i can hopefully we can have a cool conversation anyway yeah, i'm just yeah. putting in carrying on <laughs> yeah so about me i'm breed i'm in london but you can probably tell my accent is a bit of a mess that's cool because i grew up all over the place um, so I have my own business, as you sort of referred to, Free With Breed, and I basically help women heal their food and body relationship. And the biggest pain point that I specifically work with is binge eating. And that's just because I struggled with it so badly for like 10 years. Most of my 20s were just completely consumed by it. And I've been in a really good place for, I'd say, about two years now. And it kind of struck me back in October. I was like, wait a minute, I'm sitting on this gold mine of information, like all this trial and error, all the pain that I went through and finally got myself out of it. Like, why am I just keeping this to myself? Like imagine another woman or a guy, you know, just at the beginning of their journey and they're just dying inside. Like, how do I fix this? And I know the answer. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to help people. I realized this coaching business is a really viable business idea too. Everything came together and yeah, now it's been since October, helping women, one-to-one coaching, group coaching, and an online course. So it's really cool. I'm loving that it. That is really cool. That's really cool. I love what you're, what you're doing. <clears throat> and like you say, when you kind of um, go through it yourself, you have a, a different level of experience and a different level of knowledge that you can't really get just from being taught in a class mm-hmm. because you, you know, there are all those little kind of um, nitty gritty points that people don't talk about or don't um, mention that you will just naturally understand because you you've been through it um, and yeah I, I totally I agree a lot of my clients um that's one of the things they usually say is like I've been to therapists I've done this but I really want to work with someone who really gets it like has been there yeah yeah and that's some, something I am um, obviously running my mind I speak to people about mental health stuff a lot and being the kind of you know the gym guy who who has like mental health issues um I think it's it's a niche that I understand that other people don't tend to. And I think when mm. people say, oh, you know, like I've just, I'm just so kind of overwhelmed of not feeling muscular enough or something like that. And I'm just like, yeah, like, like I, I just understand it and I just get yeah. it. Um, and I think for other people, it's like, what are you talking about? Look at you, you've got massive arms or like, you know, you like, you're fine. Like everyone, mm-hmm. it's, it's just, it's a niche you don't quite touch into unless you've experienced it. And it's similar yeah. with the kind of binge eating stuff as well. Um, so Talking about that, um, we kind of have a similar background because I um, personally, I, I, I wouldn't say I'm fully recovered because I still kind of fall into it occasionally, but I haven't done for a while. Um, mm-hmm. but I, I have a background with um, eating disorders. I've kind of, I've had, had anorexia, then I had bulimia, and now I've got binge eating disorder. Um, and also you, when we kind of spoke on Instagram, you spoke about kind of compulsive exercise tendencies and I'm similar. Um, can you kind of just, you know, I'll just leave the floor open to you to share your story in regards to that as much or as little detail as you like to go into? Yeah, sure. Yeah, there's so much detail I could go into, but I'll try to try to keep it streamlined. 
So growing up, I was always just like super sporty, loved everything, hockey, football, netball, everything. I was on all the teams and it felt, it was very natural to me. Like I wasn't, it wasn't exercise. It was just fun. It was usually just sport, like playing. And my food relationship was very healthy, just balanced, intuitive. The word diet just didn't exist to me at all. I never thought about my weight or anything. And I was so, by the time I was 16, everything was great up until then. And I was living in Hong Kong at that moment, at that time with my family. Yeah, the weird accent. Um, and next thing I know, we're being uprooted and we're going to Moscow in Russia. And I had moved quite a lot in my life, but I think Hong Kong for me was, I, I felt very settled. I felt like my true self, everything was really smooth. And then going to Moscow was, everything was the complete opposite. And I just don't think I was capable of handling it like emotionally I, I just couldn't adapt and I struggled to make friends I struggled to just like adapt my life I suddenly stopped playing sport which to me always I guess kept me in a probably I didn't know it but probably kept me in a healthy headspace as well my diet completely went upside down I was eating cafeteria food pizza every day for lunch my breakfast had like chocolate in it um I ended up slowly, I started noticing I was having like two plates of dinner. So I guess I started emotionally eating to just deal with this change in my life that I couldn't handle. So by the time I'm heading to uni, I had gained almost 10 kilos. And for my frame at that time, that was a huge amount, especially for someone who yeah, had never thought about their weight before. And yeah, 18, suddenly you're going to uni and you're like, shit, I need to lose weight. Like, I don't like my body. I don't fit in enter dieting into the equation which i think is just always that slippery slope like intentional weight loss it's just yeah not a good place so i start googling how do i lose weight and i start doing all the crazy things boot camps crazy diets i joined a gym across the road and that's when i started exercising to lose to lose weight and to burn calories something i'd never thought of before I think I actually like probably even Googled what is a calorie, like I just didn't know before then. And of course I struggled, like the weight started just going up and down. Next thing I know, I'm binging because I've been trying to skip meals and restrict. And um, yeah, it was just not a good time. It just snowballed completely for years. I could say so many things about it, but like I ended up quitting uni a year and a half in because I had gone on exchange to Beijing and I was just so isolated. I think a lot of people can relate to this where you're like in your dorm room suddenly alone instead of being with your family at home all the time and you have no community, you feel lonely and food is such a great way to like heal that feeling short term. So I'm in Beijing, I quit uni because I'm again just so isolated and I'm binging on like Subway sandwiches and cookies which yeah it wasn't great binge food options in Beijing but um so I quit I ended up being in Hong Kong for a year on my own again which again was not good for me um and I remember at that time the binging got really bad I was eating just entire bags of cookie dough like 24 cookies worth something like that and I remember one night I had binged on that whole bag and I found myself at like 11 p.m. at night running up this hill outside in the dark. And I was like out of breath. I felt like puking because I have all this cookie dough in my stomach. And I just lay down on the concrete and I was like, what the hell am I doing with my life? Like, what is this? And that was probably one of the many turning points, but there's usually like a turning point. Things got a bit better. Then it went downhill again. Depression obviously was in all of this as well. Um, got really bad at certain times, just feeling very low and hopeless about life. And um, exercise also, it just got more extreme as time went by. I ended up, during my second time around in uni, I was going to the gym like three hours a day sometimes. Zumba class, back to back with step class, then like body pump, like all these things. And I remember sometimes just, I remember one time I was supposed to meet my dad and my brother for dinner and I was like, hang on, I just, I need to go burn 700 calories on the treadmill real quick. <laughs> and I just remember looking at that number, like, come on, come on, I need to burn it. And just doing all these calculations always in my mind, like I need to burn this much because I ate that much. And 
that means I can lose five pounds in the next three days. It was just, yeah, crazy. And um, I also remember this one time after university, I traveled on my own again, on my own, isolated. That's like a theme throughout this. And um, I was in New Zealand in this rural part of the country and I was just binging on Nutella that whole trip. Like every place I'd go, I'd buy another jar of Nutella and just eat the whole thing. And I decided I've got to burn this off. Um, running was always like a big thing I did to burn off the calories. That was the main thing I would do. And I just decided I'm going to just run a half marathon in this torrential rain, this storm outside, because I got to burn this off. And I did it and I was soaked. And I remember I stopped in the middle of nowhere and I had to get a, uh, had to get a car to bring me home. Like I, what's the word? Um, what is it called? When you put out your thumb for the car. Hitchhiking, hitchhiking? Yes, hitchhiking. That's it. Yeah, I had to hitchhike back because I just like stopped in the middle of nowhere in New Zealand. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, so running was a big theme. I started training for a marathon. And I know for some people that's like an amazing thing to do. But for me, the intention was 100% to yeah, burn calories. Um, I even tried to convince myself that I like wanted to do ultra marathons. I was like, yes, you know low-key if I could run 100 kilometers imagine how much weight I would lose <laughs> yeah and um it was just a lot of that and eventually it probably came to a head when I was training for the marathon and I just had a massive back injury I think there's probably something to do with that just the disc came out of place and I had to completely stop exercise yeah that's probably where it comes up to before recovery kind of steps in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So thank you for, for sharing that. Um, there's a, there's a kind of a lot of information there. And honestly, <laughs> I, I, um, what's the word? I kind of resonate with so much of it. Like I, 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 I think when it comes to disordered eating, um, often there are so, a lot of similarities because it, it, yeah. it boils down to a very similar kind of thing. Um, I haven't, um traveled anywhere near as much as you have <laughs> uh i've been to like I've, I've been to a few countries but i've definitely not been to your level um that's i didn't know that about you that's really cool um there's kind of there's numerous things that i um pick up from that and i think one of the first things that you you mentioned is that the the tran the initial transition was when you um started to become concerned about your weight is yeah. that right yeah, for sure. Yeah, so I, the the kind of it's similar with me. So a little bit about my story. My um, I was a. I imagine lots of people on here will have already heard my story like before or read it. So I don't want to go on for too much. But um, I was a rugby player um when I was younger, and um, it was kind of who I was. It was who I defined myself as. And then when I was thirteen or fourteen, I had a really bad injury to my spine, same same as you. Wow. I I which is what I mean. We were very similar. Um, I actually had a kind of um, it was like a stress fracture that went all the way across my spine, but then it kind of mm. went fully, so it kind of just broke all the way through. Wow! Um, and it meant that I couldn't, I basically couldn't move for about eight or nine months. Um, wow. I just I just lay on my back in my lounge, which sounds like it's an exaggeration, but it's really not. Like the only times I ever stood up was to go to the toilet. Other than that, wow. I slept there and like just ate there and everything. And for me, one one way of dealing with that stress of the of the injury and just being like not being able to do anything was emotional eating. Mm -hmm. So I ate more food. Plus, like, what do you like when family or friends came over? Like, what do you get someone who can't move? Like, other than food, like, what do you? So give true. Them? <laughs> so everyone just bought me food. So I just like every day, like, if anyone ever came to visit me, it would just be like, "Here, George, we've got you this chocolate and stuff." So I, I obviously gained weight because I wasn't moving and I was eating a lot of food. Um, and then I, when I went back to school, um, finally after having an operation and um, stuff, I had put on so much weight. I was. Um, I'm not sure what it is in kilos. So be, before I went, before I did my back, I was probably like 70 kilos. So I've always been a big guy. Um, but then when I went back, I was literally, I think I was 120 or 130 kilos. So wow, I was, yeah, I was like 15 years old. That's like very heavy. Wow. Um, so obviously like even, people didn't fully point it out, but I was so hyper aware of the fact that I put on so much weight that if anyone even, even made a slight 
look down or like mm-hmm. or anything it was just like I was so aware of it um and that's kind of where my mind spiraled um so yeah I, I I don't I kind of I'm kind of interested um in how exercise because you you spoke about how um you kind of used exercise in a, in a way with your disordered eating can you touch more on that on like how how that worked together mm, yeah so I guess I was using the in combination with dieting I was like if I can eat 500 calories a day and also exercise for two hours I'm gonna lose weight so much faster it was all about just accelerating losing weight or managing all the weight that I was gaining like I was constantly for 10 years fighting my weight going up and down at the most definitely not as much as you gained but I gained about 20 kilos at the most but throughout the 10 years, it was always up and down. So I probably like gained and lost at least like a hundred kilos. It was just every week. Yeah. And I guess for me, because I had been so sporty, it felt easier. I was like, I like exercise anyway. So it's not like a chore as it is for some people. So I can handle running for like two hours. It's okay. And you know, a part of you tries to just um, convince yourself that it's just because you like exercise. Oh, I I like to dance. So I'm going to go to two Zumba classes. Cool. But obviously, the intention is completely about losing weight. Yeah, and I, I, I'm very much a similar. That's why I wanted, why I wanted to ask was when I started to lose weight. So I started eating less, and I started exercising more. And then I realized if I exercise more, then I get even more of a, a benefit from it. I lose mm-hmm. even faster weight. So then, if I, oh, you know, if I eat less as well, I, I lose even more weight. And I just kind of spiraled and just became this in the kind of. Um, the eating disorder world, I think they refer to it as debting, where mm. you kind of you treat you treat food and exercise as this like monetized system, yeah. which, is, which is where the issue comes in. And one of the reasons why I don't agree with kind of calorie counting or macro counting, I think it's a dangerous mm-hmm. dangerous thing to go down, is because you start to be like, oh, I've I haven't exercised as much today, so I need to I need to eat less in order to you know to balance that out or you know, I've, I've eaten too much. So now I need to exercise more. Um, and I have a similar story to you when you're talking about running up and down the hill. Um, I always remember, have you ever had a fig roll? Those like biscuits with like, yeah. 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 So my nan used to always, used to always give them me and I used to eat them before I kind of got so obsessed with my kind of weight and, and the way I looked and had this kind of disorder tendency. I used to eat them all the time. So I loved them. And I always remember my my nan like brought a pack like um like four or five of them in in like tin foil to come when she came to see me when I was like on my back no it was it was actually it wasn't when I was on my back it was when I was back exercising and she like and she basically that like, made me eat one because she was like you're not eating you need to eat and oh, so wow. she was like she was like eat it and I was like okay I'll eat it and then I ate it and then I remember I kind of sat there and I was waiting for it to leave and as soon as everyone left the house I ran up and down the stairs um like however many times I calculated in the right amount of calories for that mm-hmm. biscuit um and it, it's st- stuff like that that pe- people don't I don't think people realize the extremes you go to um but I, I, I'm kind of I was similar to you in the way that I think um you have your mind the mind has such an amazing ability to justify what you're doing um to the point where you don't like I'm sure looking back, you see that and you're like, oh, that was like, what I was doing was just like crazy. Like I shouldn't, mm-hmm. it didn't make any sense. Um, but looking at it now, like looking at it at the time, you were just, you'd managed to convince yourself so kind of strongly that you would, yeah. it, it's, 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 it's hard for, I understand why it's hard for people who haven't had a disordered eating or haven't had compulsive exercise issues to understand why not just, why not just stop exercising as much mm-hmm. or why don't I just eat like a normal person? <laughs> um, what, what would you say to those people yourself? Like the people who think like, cause there are people out there still who just say, well, just, you know, just eat like a normal person or, you know, or yeah. just don't exercise as much. I think it's just all about getting them to just understand the, the situation because it's, there's obviously just like not the understanding of what's going on within that person mentally. Um, yeah. Cause I definitely had that a lot from like my family about the eating as well. Like, Oh, just, just like don't eat the whole pack, you know? And yeah, it's, it's just kind of like getting to their level. Like maybe they don't relate on the food and 
the food and exercise level. Like that's not their vice. That's not their thing where they gain some feeling of control or safety or whatever that the need is, but maybe they have it somewhere else in their life. So maybe like saying like, Oh, you know how sometimes you do that and maybe it makes you feel like that. Well, that's, that's it for me with exercise. Mm. Yeah. I think that can help. Yeah. I can, I think it it works similar to an addiction and the Mm. kind of, the science behind it, it kind of alludes to that as well, especially when it comes to compulsive exercise, because they talk about a lot in the literature that um, it's all about the kind of is pod as a positive coping mechanism and a negative coping mechanism, mm-hmm. positive reinforcement, negative reinforcement. And they say how initially exercise is used can be used, like you're saying, when you're sporty and it's a positive mm-hmm. reinforcement. So you the, you're doing it more because you get something out of it. It makes you feel good. It, you know, you have friends who do it, etc. And yeah. the issue the issue is is when it flips to a, a negative reinforcement, which is if I don't do it, I'm not going to have as many friends. If I don't do it, I'm not going to be happy. Right. I don't do it. So that, that's where the issue comes. Um, and the, the kind of theories, uh, my personal theory as well, is that, that that seems to come when shape and weight concern go up. So if the person is more concerned with how they, how they look and more concerned with how much they weigh, that seems to kind of, um, cor- correlate with their their levels of disordered eating and their levels of compulsive exercise so they kind of go hand in hand um, and I think it, it works similar to a to an addiction in the fact that you know if someone obviously this is an extreme but someone takes drugs the first time they take drugs they, they probably do because it, it feels good or because you know they get they get friends from it or you know um, you know you, you, you know, I'm sure there's some kind of positive reason but the issue is when that then turns into that negative reinforcement of if I don't take them, then you know I'm not I'm not as good a person or you know even even you know in drugs you get the proper like physical um, yeah. issues with coming off them, and it's it's kind of works similar with compulsive exercise or with you know, with eating disorders is the fact that you know it becomes that fear of what might happen if I don't do it. Is that something? Absolutely. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I remember. Um, yeah, just like those those months and months on end where like I had to go to the gym three hours a day. Otherwise things would just get out of control. That was a thing. Like I, I had to keep things under control through it's a fear, exercise. Isn't it? it's a fear. Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because I remember going to the Zumba class and there's always every time I was there, there's this other woman there who was like probably, I mean, really like five percent body fat, like very all you could see was muscle and um I remember thinking like oh the poor woman you know she's like addicted to exercise and she's always here but like um you were always there too like that's why you saw her always yeah. there <laughs> again that's one, it's one of those things isn't it? you convince yourself it's so normal like yeah. I I understand to a point I understood how calories and stuff worked but uh, like I understood that you have that like basal metabolic rate like your body burns amount of calories mm-hmm. anyway but I still convinced myself that if I wasn't in minus calories, yes. then I was, then I was wrong. Like I had to, like the, my extreme was I would eat like one or two pieces of fruit and I'd go on three runs in the day. So I'd burn like a thousand calories, but only eat like a hundred or 200. Um, and that was like, I've done great. Yes. I totally agree. Same for me. Like never factor in the basal metabolic rate. I was just always like, it has to be negative. Yeah really going to be losing weight yeah exactly and it, it, it doesn't like looking back it's like that's crazy like doesn't it just doesn't make sense but yeah. you know at the time it's so it's so important and it just makes sense like you just you've just reinforced it in your head um, mm-hmm. and for me I'd, i'll i can ask um how it was for you but for, for me if, if someone tried to tried to question that or show me it was wrong I just convinced myself that I was just really smart like it was almost like narcissism like I was just like I was just like no you just don't get it like I'm yeah. like I've just I'm on this level of like not not even that intelligence it was like where I did it as well I, I would listen to like motivational speakers all the time and mm-hmm. I just I was I was convinced in my head that like that I just put more effort in than everyone else like I'm just like I'm like the one like mm-hmm. like I know what I, I just put so much more effort in than everyone else and if you try and question it, that you're just wrong, or you're just trying to pull me down. Um, mm-hmm. Did you have a similar thing? Like, well, how did you react when people? I actually never had anyone tell me like you're exercising too much. Yeah, and it's strange when I think about it because, yeah, I know my family knew I was going like two or three hours a day, um, 
yeah, no one ever said anything. So I get uh, yeah, that, that's one of the I think I was lucky in the fact that people said it to me mm. um, I'm not sure what kind of made it stand out but that, that is a serious issue that there's that's you know exercise is seen as this good thing and that's part yeah. of the reason why I set up my mind is because I want to show you know I'm, I'm glad that the the positives of, of exercise on mental health are shown because it, it's, it's important that people know that it's an option um, but it's like the the other side of it like the disordered eating and the compulsive exercise it's just ignored in so many facets of, ex of fitness and mm -hmm. exercise um, and it's really important that people like yourself you know that these stories are out there because then people need to know that they're not alone because there's a lot I, like I when was the last time you heard someone go to the gym because they want to like feel better or like get or like for health like they don't mm. no, no one does that everyone goes to the gym because they want to lose weight or like look yeah. like on Instagram um, yeah and, and like I just said, the weight and shape concern is the number one correlation with disordered eating and compulsive exercise. I'm not saying that everyone has it. I'm just saying that, you know, everyone's, it seems that everyone's going in that direction. Mm -hmm. and it's, it's scary. Um, and I think it needs, something needs to be done. Um, and you know, people just need to be aware of it. For sure. It's yeah. just, yeah, it's a scary. It's just, I feel, I feel like it's like a, a slippery, slippery slope. Um, anyway, we'll move on. So, We've, we've now been speaking about the kind of, you know, our kind of issues and stuff. And I feel like we could talk about that for another like three or four hours, but <laughs> we'll, we'll continue otherwise. I want to talk about um, recovery as well. So you kind of, you know, you, with your story, you got to the point where you said, you know, this is just before I started to get to recovery. And seeing as we have quite similar backgrounds, and as I said, you know, I, sim I kind of resonated with a lot of your story. Um, I'm wondering how similar we are in the ways that we recovered. So how is it for you that things began to change and like, you know, what steps did you take? Yeah. So mine didn't happen in a very purposeful way. Everything sort of started to click into place bit by bit. So I wasn't actively like, how do I fix this? It was when I look back at some of the big reasons why I was binging, Obviously it started off with the whole like wanting to diet, but then it turned into something a bit different where, as I alluded to, like there was a lot of loneliness going on. So that was a big reason I would then binge like years later, it was all still about loneliness. And also there was a whole thing of just like almost a lack of purpose. I didn't know, I felt so lost in life. I didn't know what I was doing. I, you know, I changed uni a few times. I then traveled and I didn't know what I wanted to do with my career. And I think things started to, look better when I, I was just like, you know what, I'm just going to try out marketing. I never wanted to do marketing, but I was like, you know, I just need to do something. Mm -hmm. So I started doing that and it gave me, I was working in a small startup of like 10 people and it gave me all those things that I needed. I didn't realize I did all these, those years that were making me unhappy. I had community, like a small group of 10 people you see every day, you get to know all of them. You get to be your true self every day. I didn't feel, you know, my loneliness was much better and I had stability in my life where earlier, you know, I moved all through growing up up until I was 18. Then I went to uni and I jumped around, I traveled. So finally I had stability. So those sort of like real key needs were then being fulfilled. That's when I started binge eating less. It was much less intense, but I was still, um, I was definitely still binging when I was getting home from work after like a stressful day. So I think, again, I didn't know how to handle the emotions like stress and anxiety. So that was still something to work on. Um, and then, so about a year into working at that company, I actually met my now boyfriend, which it sounds so cliche. I really do think love heals or relationships heal, friendships heal. So I never want to be the person who's like, oh, you know, you'll fix your problems if you go find a partner. But it was something that I was lacking was like a true connection with someone. And that relationship for me was very healing. It was a very safe relationship where other ones I had in the past weren't. And you know, that doesn't have to be a partner. It could be a friendship, a co-nourishing relationship with a coach or whatever it is. But it gave me like this sense of safety in my life that was very healing. And I guess I was so focused on something bigger and better in my life like all the joy that came around that and just generally more flourishing social life not just him but 
broader than that. Mm -hmm. It was so fulfilling in my life that binging sort of fell to the side a little bit naturally, bit by bit. Um, I just started noticing, I guess, because I was busy and I was focused on this new purpose in my life, that it sort of, yeah, started calming down. And then I noticed it one day, six months later, I was like, wow, I haven't had that word binge in my head for six months. Mm. It used to be in my vocabulary all the time. I would think about it all the time. And suddenly I wasn't thinking about it. And it had slowly eased from these full binges to sometimes overeating. And while this was all going on, I also got a personal trainer at one point for like two months. I was like, you know what? I want to get more strong because I had focused on this cardio, punishing cardio for like 10 years. I was like, I want to try something different. So I worked with him for like two months and it got me into like a different mindset of exercise. For me, building strength has nothing to do with burning calories. Like it's, I don't even like work up a sweat when I do it. I think I'm quite lazy with it, but like it, it had nothing to do with calories. And I just got back into moving because it felt good. And I was, then I started slowly easing that cardio in after a long rest of not doing it, which I think is really helpful to like pull yourself away from it. And I, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to have fun with it. Like 10 minutes, run fast, like do sprints on and off and just feel like a kid again. Like, oh, how fast can I go? Can I like put it up to like speed 20? Oh my God, this is crazy. <laughs> and it was just like fun again. It was like a challenge. And, um, yeah, I think that will just healed at the same time, the exercise, it got way back to an intuitive place. And now it's, it's like, there's no, there's no goal behind it. There's no schedule. Um, it's very intuitive, especially with like COVID. I, I've just like got back to just walking, like doing really simple stuff. Um, and yeah, I think it just all, it's, it's like so many small things at once just all coming together slowly was what got me to where I am now. Mm. I, I think, um, thank you again for sharing that. I, um, for, for me, it's that it almost sounds like, like I was talking about before, how you're kind of, you know, you were so concerned with the, how much you weighed and how much you, or what you looked like. And then all these new things came in and kind of that, that became less important or yeah. like at least less like the forefront of your mind because now you had these friends and you could talk about stuff with them and, and you know you had a boyfriend and um you know you started trying to focus on your strength um and i think that's that's one thing a bit of advice that i always give to people who say they're struggling with compulsive access and stuff is it's you know it's often advice for something it's often you know you're you're doing it to you know to for some other reason besides it's not the food and the exercise that's kind of mm -hmm. the issue it's something else and mm -hmm. it's, it's finding other ways to to cope with whatever it is you know you're, you're struggling with or you know, and have you know having friends or you know if you do have a relationship you know having a relationship where you feel like you know you can you know you have other goals in it and you know and it's progressive and it's healthy and it's something you know you can you can really get into um and also you know you don't have to stop going to the gym just you know try and transition from the um you know obsession about how you look or how how much you wake in, in comparison to others and stuff and instead focus on how strong you are you know what your body's capable of you know and and look at look at it comparatively to yourself as well because i think often um what people with high kind of weight and shape concern do is they you know at least from my experience i would sit in the gym and you know some, sometimes if no one's around me i'd be doing like bicep curls or something i'd be like oh i look good i'm like i was like feeling pretty confident and then some other like bloke would come behind me and he's like got like 22 inch arms and i'm just like i'm and, then I, I, and that's kind of what what stood out to me the most was that my i went from like i feel good to i hate myself mm -hmm. like i'm like i'm so worthless just from having that external person like walk behind me and i'm like oh compared to him i'm nothing and that made me realize like i'm lit i was literally i was putting my entire self-worth on my the things that i saw around me in the, in the mirror so i was looking at the mirror and if the things around me weren't as big as me then i felt great as soon as something mm. that was bigger than me walked behind me i was worthless um and i'm kind of going i'm kind of going off on one ear but um i yeah i just i think 
taking away those comparisons for me was such a huge part. And also similar to what you're saying of, you know, focusing on, I now focus, my, my number one goal in every workout session I do is to have fun and to enjoy mm. myself. Yeah. Uh, to the point where like, I literally, I always think people must think I'm insane in the gym because I'll be talking to myself. Like, I'm, I, I stand there and I'm just kind of like, if I'm feeling a bit shit, I'll just, I'll, I'll actually just talk about some like thing that happened to me, like to myself and just it, make sure I was enjoying myself. And so I'll just sit there for five minutes, like next to my station or whatever. And if someone comes over, I'll let them take it. But I'll just sit there and be like, oh, I remember that time when you, the dog <laughs> peed on the thing. And I'm just like, I li- I'm literally just there like, I love it. I want to enjoy myself. So that's why I'm here. Like I'm not here to, to make sure I hit this thing or to do that. Um, yeah. And then also, you know, having, like you say, having those goals of strength rather than the way you look or the, how much you weigh are so, such important factors. Um, there's something more you can progress. So, you know, you're not, you don't have to feel like you're, you know, you're, you're not doing anything anymore. You're still, you know, you're still doing something and still progressing in, in your physicality. I think something with the strength as well for me made me feel like, I don't know if, I honestly don't think I really gained that much muscle because I don't try that hard, but I think there was even a placebo effect where I felt like, oh, this is building my metabolism up from like messing it up for 10 years with like restricting so much and binging. So in my head, I was like, oh, cool. My metabolism has probably gone up. I can probably eat more now. And that sort of just allowed me in my mind to be like, yeah, you can eat way more now. And then I just, started eating on a daily basis, like spreading it all out instead of, you know, restricting all week and then suddenly a binge on the weekend or whatever. Now I was just like eating exactly what I wanted, like whole bowls of pasta, whole bowls of this and being like, yeah, it's cool because my metabolism's gone up. Yeah. I don't know if it really did, yeah. but mentally. Well, yeah. Well that, you know, even if it does or doesn't, if it, get, if it helps you start eating better then who, who cares? <laughs> like, yeah. Um, and I think I think that's also another common thing for people, especially if you when you switch to a strength goal rather than a, a physique goal, is that you, you know, you're now looking at food as if I if I eat this, I'm probably going to be stronger later on when I actually go training, yeah. um, rather than you know I need to I need to eat that I shouldn't eat this because it's going to ruin this goal I've got of looking a certain way, and and also as well like this you know this maybe this doesn't happen with everyone but for me personally my physique subjectively looks considerably better when i'm um like not thinking about it so the mm-hmm. my because often often for me what was my issue was that i i was so obsessed with the way i look and and training as hard as possible and eating as little as possible or you know eating in a certain way that it made me binge and made me you know ruin my metabolism by you know like not eating anything in lows, not eating anything in lows. Actually, when I started to improve my relationship with food and exercise, actually my 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 physique got subjectively you know, improved. You know, I, mm-hmm. I and it became it became like a um it was more um of a norm. Like it wasn't it, before when it was extremes and I was just going up and down. I'd look, you know, I'd have abs for like a week and then I just binge loads and, and then I'd feel crap about myself and be like oh I wish I looked like that like why don't I look like that anymore mm-hmm. whereas now okay I don't look I don't get to that point anymore but I'm now at a place where I'm like you know I feel confident in the way I look and I feel confident in the way I feel and and I'm not like sad about when I eat a donut or like when I'm not when I don't I miss an exercise thing um you know it's 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 a it's a very slow and methodical thing and it is something you can you can work on um, over time and i'm sure that's kind of where i you know, i'm kind of alluding into the stuff that you do um you know working with people who who can help with this kind of stuff can help like it really can even if you feel like um it's not possible for you because i've i've been to the darkest places personally i've you know i've i've been suicidal and um, you know, I've, I've been, I've been as, as deep as you can go pretty much. Um, and yeah, I, I, there is always a way out. Um, mm-hmm. and that, yeah. I kind of, I kind of want to ask, I don't, I don't know how much you want to go into or, or not, but can you tell us a bit about the work that you do? Um, with mm-hmm. kind of yeah, stuff? yeah, I guess before I go into it, like on your point there with people feeling like they're they're stuck or they can't change or like they're gonna be that way forever that's every single client I work with in one-to-one sessions all have that skeptical feeling themselves they sort of come they really want to change so they do like start working with me but they're just like you know what for me though it's different 
Like mm. I'm not going to be able to change. You all, it, every, every, everyone thinks they're the crazy one. Yes. It's because, yes. It's because uh, this is my kind of theory anyway. It's because, sorry, I'll, I'll let you speak in a second. I just, <laughs> um, <laughs> the, is I, I, my personal theory is because that we all have these things that we think there's, there's someone who I can't remember who said it, but there's some like, um, famous person said this line where it's like, if, if we were all on trial for our thoughts, we'd all be in prison or we'd all be hanged or something like that, because we all have those like crazy thoughts and, and yeah. we, you know, we, and, and things that we think, you know, I can never tell anybody that because they'll put me in an insane asylum and like, I can't, I can't do it. So for us, we're the most insane person on the planet and we look at people around us and they're or that none of them are showing these symptoms because yeah. you know, either are we um and so we all think that we're the only one we're this like super insane person um but yeah it's not the case we're all like odds are if you if you did actually open that up to someone and say they'd be like yeah same <laughs> and yeah totally is the case sorry carry on yeah no everyone i've told about my business uh too I'm usually, you know, a bit on edge. Oh, this is quite vulnerable telling someone because then it insinuates I had it. And I kept it such a secret the whole time. You know, I only told like three people or something the whole 10 years. And then when I tell people, they're like, oh, yeah, no, I've, I had that for a few years. I'm like, oh, my sister had this. And everyone's like had something or knows someone. So I think it, it's actually yeah, it's so great when you do just open up and tell people because it normalizes it especially in the world of fitness and in sport, like the, the research coming out in, um, especially in elite sports, there's, there's two that I'm, I'm aware of. There's one in Australia that was a few years ago. And there's one that came out in sweet from Sweden this year. And their, their numbers are up to 50% of elite athletes saying that they've had disordered eating or have. Yeah. Not surprised. So it's like yeah. one in two people in sport seem to have it. So like, you're really not alone. And like, and yeah I, I think we're all still going to think we're the crazy one because there's little things that no one ever shares or you know mm-hmm. it, it, so, sometimes it's even because I try and be that person that shares to help people like I try and be that person yeah. sometimes you don't even you can't even it's just you've just forgot like it's even been forgotten or you just put it so far back in the, the realms of your mind that you don't even remember the stuff that you did um, yeah but yeah it's just, it's just just it's difficult to kind of open up about those things um just because you know even if you want to open up, it's even just remembering to do them. Um, mm. So yeah, if pe- people are watching this who think they're the crazy one, you're really not. Odds are I've done yeah. just as just as crazy or even crazier things than you have. Yeah. Um, so you know you can you can get out of it. You know, like I said, I'm not 100 percent recovered, but I'm in a damn sight better place than I was a couple of years mm-hmm. ago. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. No, when I work with clients, so we usually with the one to one program, it's 12 weeks a minimum and sometimes it goes beyond because obviously like 12 weeks is a little bit arbitrary of a number but um yeah it's usually you know at the start a lot of skepticism is this really going to work for me but it really is a process and yeah it's so helpful to have someone there by your side who's been through it and really gets like all those feelings that come after a binge and the why behind it and everything um and i think also during the the journey of recovering that there are so many ups and downs and all these sort of, you know, things that you think are a step backward, you know, maybe you didn't binge for a month and then you had one and you feel like a failure. I think having someone there by your side being like, hang on a second, this isn't a failure. You know, it's not going to be one straight line up to suddenly not binging. There's always going to be a little something here and there. And it's really about how we react to it. Cause I think the reaction to a binge is so key. Like, how it used to be for me and a lot of my clients is like, you binge, you feel so terrible about yourself, guilty, get into this panic mode, like, how am I going to undo this? What am I going to not eat or eat for the next few days? What, what exercise can I do? And it just keeps you stuck in the restrict binge cycle that just, yeah, just keeps you there. Mm-hmm. So I think having someone there by your side to just remind you, like, pull you back down, ground you a little bit and be like, hang on, let's just learn from this. Yeah. Like, what caused this binge? what can we change next time? Or how can we deal with that? Maybe an emotion, how can we deal with that in a better way? I think that's really the key. Yeah, I, I, I personally got that from, uh, this is, so I, I don't know, do you know Bill Burr, the comedian? He's like from mm-hmm. Boston and he has like bald head and he's just, yeah. he just says some awful things. Um, I, I sometimes listen to, or at least I, I don't do anymore, but I used to listen to his 
podcast on YouTube or like when I was going to sleep. And I always remember I was feeling so shit about my disordered eating. And I was, I was watching one of his videos and I can't remember what he was talking about or he does like a Q and A to let people ask for his advice. He gives advice. He is a comedian, so he's not qualified in any way, but this one just stood out to me. Someone asked for advice on something. And I just remember his, his response because the guy was saying, oh, you know, I felt really great, but now I'm not as doing as well again. And it's so annoying that I keep feeling good and then feeling not good again. Mm-hmm. And, and Bill Burr, I think his response was just like, don't be so fucking hard on yourself. <laughs> and I, was just, <laughs> I was just like, I just, for some reason, like people have told me that for ages, but just coming out of his like Boston accent and just <laughs> yeah. him just being brutal just made me realize like, yeah, like I'm being, I'm being so hard on myself. Like, it's not it's not binary it's not i have an eating disorder i don't have an eating disorder yeah it's it's you know i have an eating disorder and now i feel i you know i haven't done it for the last six hours that's that's more than i've ever done before now i'm doing it again but it's fine i didn't do it for six mm-hmm. hours you know it's 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 a wave it should be you're you're trying to you're trying to make the lows slightly less deep and you're trying yeah. to make the highs higher that's all yeah you- um, and then, you know, eventually you can get to the point where you're not going to hit those lows anymore. Hopefully is the, is the long-term goal, but you know, it's not, it's not just, you don't have it anymore. That's it. You're fixed. Mm-hmm. It is yeah. a progression. That's definitely something I, I try to like drill into my clients. It's off never again, mm-hmm. but like for me, and I think for a lot of people, it goes from these extreme binges, then they get, you know, less frequent, then suddenly they're half the size. And next thing you know, you're just overeating sometimes. And it's just like this, yeah, as you said, the wave is just getting less deep and it's sort of stabilizing. Yeah. And also on the other thing that you said about, yeah, don't be so hard on yourself. That's a huge thing too. Your self-talk in the, this whole food and body space, like it's so much negativity and that just becomes the majority of the thoughts going through your head, this repeating patterns. And it just, obviously then when you think those thoughts, then you feel bad feelings as well. You feel bad about yourself and it just keeps you in this low energy place. Mm. So I do like a lot of work for my clients to start noticing these thoughts that are on repeat that I usually kind of say like, they're not necessarily negative or bad thoughts. They're almost survival thoughts keep you safe in some way. Like if the thought is, Oh, you've gained weight on your tummy. Maybe you might see that as negative, but it's one part of your brain trying to be like, we need to keep you safe because in society gaining weight is bad and you're not going to be as loved as accepted. You're not going to fit in. So let's like point these things out so we can keep you safe from getting to that place. I think that can help because it's like, otherwise we're sort of shaming ourselves. Like, Oh, I'm always thinking these bad things about myself. Like I'm so hard on myself, but then it's like, hang on a second. They're actually in a weird way trying to protect you, Yeah. but we can shift this into something that's just like way more empowering more aligned with like who you really are and not who I guess you may have become with these beliefs around, I guess what society puts on us. And yeah. Stuff like that. I think, I think that I, I kind of um, do myself and again, some advice I give to people is that your, your thoughts aren't fact. It's just your mm. brain giving you an idea. It's saying, yeah. Oh, you put some weight on this. This could be a bad thing. It's not, yeah. it's not, it's not, it is. It's just, you know, you're, just because it's in your head doesn't mean it's going to be right. And if you, if you think everything you think is right, then you're, you're wrong. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, you know, t- treat it the same way. I always try and treat my brain the same way I would treat like someone telling me something like it's, you right. know, it mean like, that person might be, you know, I don't know who they are. You know, they might be thick as hell. Like, I don't, they mm-hmm. might not have a clue what they're talking about <laughs> or, they, or they might be the smartest person in the world. You know, I've got to go find out for myself and, and think about it. Yeah. Myself and, and weigh it up and you know often I, I write things down that helps me my thoughts yeah um, yeah that's so it that's something we also work on is like this chain of a thought comes in think it believe it straight away and then act on it just like breaking that chain with more consciousness of those yeah. thoughts and being like hang on a second is this actually true is it actually helpful is it serving me maybe not <laughs> improve improving mindfulness is is a whole like we could we could do another massive yeah talk about that and I I yeah I think it's fantastic and it's something that helps me a lot um, and I've just because I hadn't done it I, I always go through these kind of cycles of um, when this comes out um, this will be in like a couple of weeks time so a couple of weeks ago from the, when this comes out um, will be the the Mike Dayum interview that I'm releasing um, it hasn't come out yet so you won't have seen it um, mm-hmm. but um, in there we talk about these kind of um, 
cycles that we go through and and you know i i'll do meditation and i'll do journaling and i'll feel great and then i'll mm-hmm. be like oh i feel great i don't need to do meditation yeah and then i'll start and then i'll stop feeling good and then i'll do it again and so over the last couple of days i've started doing them again every day and i instantly feel better like mm-hmm. instantly um and i think i think that partly comes because i've done it before so i kind of know what works for me and the ways you do it but it is something like everyone should do it but i i'm i'm like i'm not i don't think there are maybe there's a few people on the planet who shouldn't do meditation and journaling but i'm a big believer in like at least 99.9 percent of the population should um i just totally agree yeah just adds like that consciousness to your life Mm. instead of just going autopilot all the time sticking with these like thought patterns that have come up um probably not from the best past experiences and influences Mm. and just bringing consciousness to your day yeah it's definitely something i've also added recently to my morning routine is this journaling stuff i've been like scripting out almost what i want to happen in my day like preemptive gratitudes and it just it just like puts it there in your mind at the start of the day like this is what's going to happen i'm going to be in the energy state for this to happen and then throughout the day you have that sort of more at the forefront of your mind and it's worked so well it's actually amazing it's like um affirmations isn't it i guess yeah yeah saying, this is what's gonna happen like and like putting it out there and saying like you know this is actually gonna be a thing um yeah i i agree um so i'm gonna do like a bit of a signing off now um mm-hmm. thank you so much breed for this talk um, i think we've kind of gone into some really cool stuff and getting to know you more has been nice um, and yeah. i hope i hope i didn't take over too much when i was talking about my <laughs> stuff um i just get so excited about these conversations because it's just it's you know it's kind of it's my thing i love it uh, as yeah. i'm sure it is it's your thing as well um but yes yeah, so it can just to kind of finish off can you tell people where they can find you so you know social media tags or websites mm-hmm. etc i will be i will be writing it all below any video i put out but just so people listening can yeah sure absolutely so instagram is my my thing it's at free with breed at free with breed so breed is b-r-i-d and then website freewithbreed.com simple easy peasy okay thank you again um yeah thank you everybody who's been watching or listening um hopefully i'm going to be converting these to podcasts soon but i'm just trying to figure out how to do it um (laughs) so yeah thank you everybody for listening thank you everybody for watching and we'll see you next time thank you see ya